This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, April 13th, 2023, and this is your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Timothy Dennis. I'm Kyle Kellams. A little bit later on our show, Timothy has a rundown of live music from Fort Smith to Eureka Springs, and we'll get a small preview of the acapella performances we can experience this weekend as part of Voice Jam at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville. First... Renovations are on the way at Wilson Park in Fayetteville, to the tune of nearly $700,000. These updates will include, among other things, a new community hub, lights for the basketball court, and four brand new pickleball courts. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore reports the growth of pickleball isn't a fad, it's the real dill. On a spring evening in Wilson Park at the youth tennis courts, more than a dozen athletes are playing sports. But it's not youth tennis, it's pickleball. The green courts are currently striped with yellow tape, outlining for players the dimensions of a pickleball court, which differs slightly from tennis boundaries. A U of A grad student, Jess, stands outside the fence, watching and learning as her friends play doubles pickleball. Have you ever played pickleball before? I have not, no. Um, What do you know about pickleball so far? Um, There's a lot of rules. So I've picked up that the little yellow square in the front is called the kitchen. You can't hit from the kitchen. That's really all I've picked up. The inception of pickleball dates back to 1965 in Washington State, but the sport really started to pick up among retired communities in the 2010s. I'd say a couple years ago, pickleball was stereotypically an older person's sport. That's Lane Hyatt, program director for the Peel Compton Foundation in Bentonville, whose Osage Park hosts multiple pickleball courts. But now you're seeing kids of all ages play pickleball. You see tournaments all over the region. You see several pros, like teenage pros. I would say the majority of people are younger. You see a lot of teenagers out there in the summer. You see a lot of people in their 20s and 30s out there learning the game and participating. A regulation-sized tennis court is much too large for pickleball. But according to Ted Jack, a park planning superintendent for the Fayetteville Parks Department, that hasn't stopped people from retrofitting them for that purpose in places like Walker Park. So a tennis court, one thing, a tennis court's a lot bigger. So, um, But somebody can play pickleball on it. The net's not quite the same. And then, of course, the lines are different, so you kind of got to account for those things. So... Not very efficient use of space when they're having to use a whole tennis court for pickleball because you can fit almost four tennis courts, pickleball courts on one tennis court. Not quite, but it's almost that kind of difference in size. In Wilson Park, there are currently five regulation-sized tennis courts and four junior courts. But Ted says studies show that it was pickleball, not tennis, being played most on all of those courts. There were times when... Pickleball was in on those courts using those four plus the other five and then actually on the other courts going over. So there's just a lot of demand. There's also a lot more tennis courts in the city than pickleball courts by, by quite a good margin. Ted says they're in the early phases of the improvements happening at Wilson Park, which will include not just the new pickleball courts, but also a new community hub in the center of the park that will replace the dilapidated restaurant. The idea was take that restroom but turn it into a kind of social hub for the park because it's surrounded by tennis, what will be pickleball, basketball, and sand volleyball. And then it's right in the heart of the park. So we've created a a space that will let people come and greet and meet, shady areas, places to sit, so that, you know, if you're waiting on pickleball, this would be a great spot to to wait um, while you're doing that. So it just becomes kind of a social hub. First, they'll be putting together construction documents and bidding out the job, which can take five or six months. And then the construction itself will take about another five or six months, meaning we're just about a year out from that. One concern residents might have is, are people even going to be playing pickleball in, say, five or ten years? How do you distinguish between a fad and a trend? Ted says for him, a prime example of this is dog parks. 
First time I heard about a dog park, I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> I can't imagine putting a bunch of dogs in there. It'd be chaos, you know. Why would you do that? And why would you worry about building a park for dogs? All those kind of things. Aren't all parks for dogs? <laughs> yeah. So I went to Dallas, and they had one of the first in the south, and I went and sat down on top of a hill kind of looking down to that park. Within five minutes, I knew we needed to build a dog park. It, it was just doing so much. I mean, people were having a great time. The dogs were having a fantastic time. But more importantly, the people were having a great time. They were visiting. They were socializing. It was just a, a great thing. And ever since then, every dog park I've built has been just well used. And I think, I think pickleball will be the same. Lane Hyatt of Osage Park says when they opened the park less than two years ago, they started with four pickleball courts. And what we saw was that the demand for pickleball was crazy. Those courts were packed constantly, especially on a beautiful day. And since then, in the last year, we have added four additional courts to Osage Park. So we have eight courts now. We've added fencing around all of the courts and lights so that the players can play in the seasons when it starts to get dark a little bit earlier. We now have lights at the courts as well. As of right now, there aren't any recreational pickleball leagues being coordinated by a city parks and rec department, but Osage Park is hosting a pickleball tournament in early June. We're calling this tournament the Dam Slam, and that is a play on the fact that there are a family of beavers that live at Osage Park, <laughs> and so the beaver dam, the lodge, all the things, and so we're calling it the Dam Slam and really leaning into that. What we want our tournament to be it's kind of an unintimidating experience for people who may have never played in a pickleball tournament before. So it's not a sanctioned event or anything like that. You don't have to have a ton of experience. There's categories for beginners and intermediate players and advanced players, but just an opportunity to get people out and playing pickleball with some others in their community and get exposure to a tournament setting. And that tournament um, will take place this June, so the June, June 3rd and 4th. Back at Wilson Park in Fayetteville, I spoke to Dylan in between games. He's typically a tennis player, and he says the gameplay is quite a bit different. With pickleball, you have to be more reflexive and stealthy because it's like really fast and really quick, and you have to react quicker too. So that's a big difference for me, at least. What about like the way that you hit the ball? Does it like the 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 pickleball paddle is obviously a lot smaller than a tennis racket. Yeah. Does that change the way you play at all? It does. I would say like. Just the difference is like you have this wood here and you have to hit it a lot harder as if it's a ping pong than it is a tennis ball. Tennis ball, you have a little more skill to the hit, whereas the pickleball, you're kind of just tapping it to get right, it over. Right, yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people who play ping pong and then go to tennis, they, yeah. they hit the ball too hard yes. with a racket as opposed to like this is more like an oversized ping pong paddle, yes, right? Yes, yes. My first time playing, I was hitting it just like a tennis ball and it was not working. Did you know that they're turning these courts into pickleball courts? No, I didn't know, actually. Yeah. I didn't know. These courts here, right? Mm -hmm. These four here. Yeah. Uh, City of Fayetteville just uh, said that they're going to pay like 500 some thousand dollars to renovate these courts specifically into pickleball courts. Really? That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Honestly, I was complaining because I was a tennis player before this, and I was like, there's not enough. They should have made all these tennis courts, but it's good because I'm into it now, and I love it. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Matthew Moore. <laughs> Ahead on today's show, loaning people money to buy a home has been a bit trickier in the past year as interest rates have risen. This week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report examines how the local residential mortgage industry is doing. That's later on today's Ozarks at Large. Founded in 2016, Fayetteville Virtual Academy serves Northwest Arkansas students in kindergarten through 12th grade and allows families to partner with qualified Fayetteville Public Schools teachers to provide students with a personalized learning experience and reimagine education. The school choice deadline is May 1st. Applications are now being accepted. More at fva.fayar.net. The University of Arkansas at Fort Smith offers students more than a diploma. UAFS offers students a resume. More information regarding a career-driven education is available at uafs.edu slash join the pride. 
The Social Media Safety Act will prevent underage Arkansans from setting up a social media account without parental permission. The act also sets up provisions for third-party vendors to check a user's ID. Social media companies that do not comply with the rules could be subject to a $2,500 fine for each violation. During remarks yesterday, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders said the bill was intended to protect children from the harmful material on social media. She addressed concerns about the logistics and enforceability of the bill since the most popular social media companies like TikTok and Facebook are not based in Arkansas. And we're willing to work with them and have given them ample time in order to meet those requirements. So we feel confident that they can get the job done. They figured out much harder things on the daily basis when it comes to big tech. I don't think this should be too heavy of a lift. There has also been concern that companies could abuse the law. The governor said the bill has language preventing third-party users from violating someone's privacy. The new law will go into effect September 1st. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is awarding $20 million to Arkansas for seven different projects in rural parts of the state. The announcement was made yesterday in Fayetteville by Arkansas Senator John Bozeman. More than $13 million will come in the form of a loan. The rest will be grant money. Projects include nearly $7.5 million for a water system extension in Mountainburg for about 350 people who don't have a potable water supply. Of the $7.4 million awarded, $5.7 million is in the form of a grant. There is another Free Tree Friday tomorrow in several Arkansas communities. The Arkansas Department of Agriculture's Forestry Division will give away bare root seedlings of a variety of species. Tomorrow, giveaways in Alma at the public library there from 10 until noon and at Goshen City Hall from 9 to 11. Offerings are limited to three seedlings per person on a first-come, first-served basis. The U.S. Pro Cup Mountain Bike Series continues today in Fayetteville's Centennial Park. The racing began yesterday and will end Sunday. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports that it's the event's third year in northwest Arkansas, and competitors from 11 countries will participate. At least 1,300 cyclists are registered to compete in the U.S. Pro Cup Mountain Bike Series. Although potential Olympic athletes will be able to get qualifying points for the 2024 Summer Olympics in the series, Sarah King, Vice President of Marketing at Experience Fayetteville, says activities for amateur athletes are available as well. But um, we're really excited to, you know, have some beautiful weather. Um, it's a really great experience for spectators as well to see these elite athletes on a world-class course. The City of Fayetteville and the Walton Family Foundation provided money for the purchase and construction of Centennial Park at Millsap Mountain. The park exists for activities like mountain biking to attract visitors and create an economic impact. For Ozarks at Large in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Anna Pope. One day after losing to the Arkansas Razorbacks 21-5, the Little Rock Trojans baseball team yesterday defeated number five Arkansas 11-4 at Bomb Stadium. Next up for the Razorbacks is a three-game series against number 16 Tennessee. That begins tomorrow night again in Fayetteville. And the University of Arkansas Fort Smith Lions baseball team will be in Lawton, Oklahoma for a four-game series with Cameron University beginning tomorrow afternoon. The UAFS Lions are 9-29 heading into the weekend. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. Fayetteville-based Signature Bank of Arkansas, which has grown to a nearly $1 billion asset lender, has a new president and several leadership changes. Brant Ward, previously the chief operating officer, has assumed the new role of president. Gary Head remains chairman and CEO. Ward joined the company in 2005 as a banker trainee. He was elevated to Chief Administrative Officer in 2016 and Chief Operating Officer two years ago. Ward's recent promotion is one of several involving the bank's leadership team, with new roles for Crandall Street, Alex Gladden, Ryan Dagley, Russ Greenlee, Clinton Ryan, Knight Weiss, and Jason Orlicek. You can find more details on those promotions online at nwabusinessjournal.com. We will discuss the residential mortgage industry with Caitlin Huddleston after the break. You are listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. 
The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas, and it shows in your banking experience. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. The new issue of the Business Journal is out this week featuring a cover story on the residential mortgage industry. We spoke with a handful of regional executives in Northwest Arkansas for their take on the current challenges and market conditions. Caitlin Huddleston is the Northwest Arkansas branch manager for Oklahoma-based AMC Mortgage in Rogers. In a recent interview, she struck a positive tone about the industry and said things are in a much better place today compared with six months ago. Six months ago was when, you know, the Fed announced that they were going to raise rates and continue to raise rates to fight inflation. And so there was a lot of attention around rates and negative, unfortunately, attention. And so I think, one, we've acclimated to the Fed raises and to hearing that news, but also new data is coming out. Um, We are seeing inflation come down a little bit. Like there are things on the horizon that look good. And so the temperature for buying houses is definitely better now than six months ago. So I'm sure that's what customers want to know, right? Or is it better? I mean, what, what are most of the conversations like that you're having with your customers right now, whether it's a first-time home buyer or an existing homeowner? I'm sure there's some saying, there's some different, but what are you talking about the most with your customers? So it's really evaluating, number one, what's most important to you. And so we talk about budget a lot. Um, what is a healthy monthly budget for a first-time home buyer? What's a healthy monthly budget for somebody buying their dream house? Um, and I really like to gauge the conversation around their comfort levels and then their finances. So, you know, we, we drill it down to, okay, this is, if you want this house, this is how much it's going to cost. And for first-time home buyers, you know, I always remind people that rent is 100% interest. And so buying your own home and owning it really is an investment. And it's one of the first steps to generational wealth. And so I'm a huge advocate of buying a home, even in a tough market. Um, I also really educate people around the climate of interest rates and that, yes, they may seem high right now, but there is hope on the horizon that in the next 12 months, we are going to see a dip and there will be opportunity to refinance. So your payment today isn't your payment forever, and it may not even be your payment tomorrow. Um, There is hope, and we are seeing a lot of forecasts around lower interest rates coming. You mentioned refinance. Is that market beginning to show any rebound at all after it all but went away, or is it still cratered? It's still cratered. Um, the advantages to a refinance just aren't strong right now. There is always a need for some people to refinance, so we're absolutely still helping people who need to refi. Um, but, yeah, the low interest rates that we all grabbed a couple of years ago, we're just not at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, so, so what is strong right now from just from your perspective? Are there certain loan programs or products or anything that's driving the business? I mean, you know, we've we've written about rising rates. We've reported on it. We've heard about it. And the narrative is that they've killed certain segments of the mortgage market. So where are the opportunities for some buyers? What What is strong right now? Yes. So one thing that we're seeing a lot of are seller credits. And so we're using those seller credits to buy down the interest rates for people. Um, And that's a really big thing to look at when you're buying a house is, okay, I want this house. It's listed at, you know, 450, but I'm going to ask for $10,000 in seller credits. You can use those credits to help towards your closing costs, but we can also use them to buy down the interest rate. And so that's one thing that I'm looking at on almost every purchase scenario right now is how can we best use credits from the seller um, to benefit the buyer? And so we can buy down the rates long-term, or we can even look at temporary buy-downs like a 2-1, which buys it down by 2% for one year and by 1% a second year. 
So there's strategy around rate buy-downs that are really popular right now that I haven't seen used um, this much. Okay. Final question would just be kind of what you you mentioned long-term. What is your long-term um, forecast for the remainder of the year? I know you don't have a crystal ball. None of us do. But you know, where where are the interest rates going to land, you think? What is what is going to give home buyers more purchasing power, say, six months from now? So there are several big things even coming out this week to keep your eye on. Um, so there's different reports coming out. The Fed is releasing the Federal Open Market Committee minutes from their last meeting. Um, and so that will kind of tell the market what the Fed discussed, what's the current state of our economy, and then that will impact interest rates. Um, one person I follow is Barry Habib, and he owns MBS Highway. He's a, rate, a mortgage rate forecaster and a brilliant mind. But he said to circle the date May 10th on your calendars because there's so much news coming out around um, the Fed meeting and around inflation numbers that he thinks May 10th is going to be the beginning of a decline in mortgage interest rates. So I have it circled on my calendar. I'm monitoring it. Um, but a lot of sources are saying we'll see that 5%, 5.5% by quarter four. All right. We are circling May 10th on our calendar. May 10th. All right. We got it. All right. Caitlin Huddleston is the Northwest Arkansas branch manager for AMC Mortgage in Rogers. Caitlin, thanks very much. Huddleston is one of several residential mortgage executives we spoke with for their analysis of the market, including Matt Kendall, the top mortgage official for Arvest Bank, which is one of the state's top mortgage originators. Sherry Sherrill is the Northwest Arkansas branch manager for New American Funding, one of the nation's largest privately owned direct mortgage lenders. And Drew Stoner, vice president and Northwest Arkansas market manager for First Security Bank. That's our cover story this week, and you can find the digital version of the magazine online at nwabusinessjournal.com. In other recent headlines, you will find online the FDIC reports that net income for Arkansas's 83 banks decreased last year by 8.3% to $1.98 billion. Arkansas's three public banks were the most profitable in 2022, led by Bank OZK of Little Rock, which posted net income of $564.1 million. Gen Z, a Bentonville startup that launched a water brand with a unique bottle design, recently was sold to California-based Langer's Juice Company. Financial terms of that deal were not disclosed. Doug Beatty, Aaron Campbell, and Neil Mellers, all of Bentonville, co-founded Gen Z in 2020. And Missouri-based Club Car Wash paid $1.75 million for the former AQ Chicken restaurant site at 1207 North Thompson Street in Springdale. That totals about three acres. The restaurant opened in 1947 and closed on March 18th. Club Car Wash operates over 120 locations in nine states. For more news, visit us online at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. No denying it. It is spring. That means we're going to have even more live music now than we've had the past few months to help us be a guide. Timothy Dennis. Happy Thursday, Kyle. Oh, happy Thursday. I love this weather. This weather is perfect. Yes. Let's start talking about music that's happening tomorrow night. All right. For a happy hour, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have the Boss Tweeds in the house. Roll, baby, roll, baby, rolling down the line. Tell me where it's going and we'll make it on time. We'll drop it on your dock or anywhere you want it to be. Boss Tweeds, who really embrace sort of rockabilly. Yeah. And- like era. even in their wardrobe and their instrument choices, right. like they are the most rockabilly band in this neck of the woods. I think I have seen a member of the Tweeds driving around and they have a Sun Records license plate on the front of the car. I think I've seen that. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
happy hour show at George's has $8 cover charge. Gets underway at 6 o'clock tomorrow night again at George's in Fayetteville. If you can't make that show or if you just want a double dose of the Boss Tweets this weekend. Okay. They're also playing a show Saturday at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. Oh, fun. That show starts at 6 o'clock Saturday night. Admissions $10. Okay, moving on. More music Friday night. George's in Fayetteville for their late show is going to have the bands Kitchen Dwellers and Secret Hollow house they're both bluegrass bands one from montana one from colorado gotcha those seats are for the cowboys oh they ain't for me or you it was a wrath of a man near 100 years ago can't you hear the ghosts of miners well and the tickets are 20 dollars in advance they go up to 23 dollars at the door that starts at nine o'clock tomorrow night again at george's and also on Fayetteville tomorrow night, Walton Arts Center is going to have the group Duende oh, on stage. Oh, this is part of Voice Jam. It's, they're the headliners of this year's Voice Jam. They're a six-piece acapella group known for bass and beatbox-driven music. Yep. is part of the 10 by 10 series so tickets are ten dollars starts at eight o'clock tomorrow night again at walton Earth center in fayetteville okay over in eureka springs chelsea's is going to have a show featuring david graham he's a country artist originally from oregon he now hails from nashville and i should have been making love but that's the life they do singing these white man That show starts at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. Before that, before that, over in Eureka Springs tomorrow night, the Gravel Bar is going to have Springfield-based Americana artist Justin Larkin on their stage. Okay. As the sun hangs from my branches, my eternal bed is made. When the earth is my bed. That gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at the Gravel Bar in Eureka Springs. And then down in Fort Smith tomorrow night, the Majestic is going to have Chad Prather on stage. He's a Georgia-based country rapper and comedian. Oh, interesting. didn't end up where I thought it was no, going. I, I didn't think so. The cover for that is $20 in advance, goes up to $25 at the door. That starts at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at the Majestic in Fort Smith. We haven't moved off Friday yet. No, we're just about to, though. Okay. So, moving ahead to Saturday. All right. Buddy Shoot and Martin McGee are going to be at Jam and Java in Fayetteville, starting at 9 a.m. during the Farmer's Market. How long before this poor heartbreak. All right. They're playing until noon. Uh, again, that's at Jam and Java at their new space right on the Fable Square. Right, right. Do you know, is that inside or outside? I'm not exactly okay. sure. All right. Just but, go to Jam and Java and find out. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's not that big of an area. Right, you'll, right. you'll find <laughs> you'll out. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Exactly. Happening Saturday evening in Fayetteville, JJ's Live is having Judah and the Lion on stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's not their only big get for the week, but we'll cover that okay. coming right. up. That's uh, called Forward Promote. Yes. Cover for that show with Judah in the line is $30 in advance, goes up to $35 at the door, starts at 7.30 Saturday night, again at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. Happening in downtown Fayetteville Saturday night, Smoke and Barrel Tavern is going to have a hard rock show featuring the sounds of the band's Destroyer of Light, Temptress, Ghost Hollow, and the Sales of Light. Cover for that show is $10. Starts at 9 o'clock Saturday night, again at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Another hard rock show happening in Fayetteville Saturday night, this time at Nomad's Trailside, featuring the bands Tau of Lucy, Sleep Clinic, and The Big Sad. Well, 
covers $5, starts at 7 o'clock Saturday night, again at Nomad's Trail Side in Midtown Fayetteville. All right. Getting out of Fayetteville Saturday night, Chelsea's over in Eureka Springs is going to have a show featuring Chucky Wags and the Company of Rags. Mm-hmm. Also on that bill are Eric Howell and Junior Soapbox. That gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday again at Chelsea's in Eureka Springs. So in Eureka Springs Saturday night, Got a Whole Brewing is going to have the Missouri-based songwriter Mick Bird in the house. Mick Bird. Mick Bird. Okay. B-Y-R-D. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know love's real. The mountains touch the sky. The snow so bright it burns your eyes. That gets underway at 5 o'clock Saturday night again at Got a Hold in Eureka Springs. And down in Fort Smith Saturday night, Temple Live is going to have Casey Donahue on stage. Mm-hmm. Tickets start at $25. That starts at 6 o'clock Saturday night, again at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Okay, Sunday, New Delhi Cafe over in Eureka Springs is going to have Dominic B. Roy in the house. All right. We're driving around in shades all around the It's a midday affair. Starts at noon. Noon? Noon, noon on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, kind of a brunch thing. Yeah. They have Bloody Marys there? I would hope so. Okay. Again, that starts at noon. That's at the New Delhi Cafe Sunday in Eureka Springs. Okay, jumping ahead to Tuesday. You know how I said JJ's Live has some more big name gigs this week? Just a moment ago you said that. On Tuesday, they're having the Wood Brothers. Just to slip on the same mistakes and slide right back in. But people say I'm the luckiest man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. Tickets are thirty dollars in advance. Go up to thirty-five dollars at the door. Starts at seven thirty Tuesday night at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. But wait, there's more. Okay. Wednesday night at JJ's Live. Uh-huh. They have Umphrey's McGee. Oh wow. Tickets for that show are $35 in advance. Go up to $40 at the door. Starts at 8 o'clock Wednesday night at JJ's Live in Fayetteville. Okay, finally, next Thursday, a week from today. Uh-huh. George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville are going to have a couple of bands in the house. The Brook and the Bluff, which is an Alabama-based indie dream pop band. Okay. A lot of descriptors in that sense. Yeah, but I like them all. Headed this time. You got this hold on. Also joined on that bill by Nashville-based singer Savannah Conley. Who I like. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she's pretty good. Yeah. Tickets for that show are $20. Starts at 8.30 next Thursday at George's in Fayetteville. And next Thursday is a day some people consider a holiday of sorts. If you're wanting to celebrate that holiday appropriately... The Tom Petty cover band Not oh, Petty oh, will be it at took the Red me a Door. While. Not Petty will be at the Red Door Bar and Grill in Tawny Town. Gets underway at seven o'clock next Thursday at the Red Door Bar and Grill in Tawny Town. Timothy Dennis, thank you so much. Thank you. and associate professor of the music department at the University of Arkansas, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with Russian pianist Sviatoslav Richter, who was considered one of the greatest pianists of all time, performing the first movement of Johann Sebastian Bach's keyboard concerto in D minor, BWV 1052. Today we are returning to Bach, revisiting this iconic composer and piece, 
Recent research by Bach scholars have suggested that this piece in three movements was originally conceived as an organ concerto composed within the first few years of Bach's tenure in Leipzig. Although the earliest manuscript in existence calls for the harpsichord as the solo keyboard instrument. One of the things that make today's version interesting is that it is performed on the modern piano, a keyboard instrument that didn't exist in Bach's lifetime. In my teenage years, I encountered this piece in this very same version for piano. Back then, it became one of my to-go pieces, and I was completely drawn by its vitality, constant movement, and change. I recall playing it over and over on my cassette tape. Then and now, Bach's music has had the versatility of fitting different instruments, different players, and different times, and to still being current, relevant, and expressive. Russian pianist Sviatoslav Richter performing the end of the first movement of Johann Sebastian Bach's keyboard concerto in D minor, BWV 1052. This piece for keyboard and orchestra has been recreated many times in the hands of traditional and untraditional performers. I happened to come across an interesting version of it for the accordion, yet another keyboard instrument, with the versatility of the piano and the harpsichord. This version, arranged by British composer, orchestrator, and trombonist Callum Au, replaces the Baroque string orchestra with a big band and jazz sounds. Let us enjoy this unusual yet fun version of Johann Sebastian Bach's Concerto in D minor, performed by Ksenia Sidorova accordion with the Latvian Radio Big Band Orchestra.
Accordionist Ksenia Sidorova and the Latvian radio big band performing Callum Au's arrangement of the first movement of Johann Sebastian Bach's concerto in D minor, BWV 1052 for keyboard and orchestra. Today in Sound Perimeter, we revisited Bach's famous concerto in two different versions, one for piano and one for accordion, both unusual for Bach's time, both lively and adventurous. I hope you enjoyed those powerful sounds and interpretations. This is Leah Uribe, Chair and Associate Professor of the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter, a show written and hosted by me and produced by Timothy Dennis, KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. No instruments required for the music festival taking place this weekend at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville. The Voice Jam Festival is a celebration of a cappella music that begins tomorrow night with the Duende performance we mentioned earlier this hour, and it continues through Saturday with workshops and the Voice Jam competition. This week, Sarah Broom Jones, learning programs and festival specialist with Walton Arts Center, and Eric Amaye, a member of the locally based a cappella group Wacapella came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to talk about a cappella performance in general and the Boys Jam Festival in particular. Sarah Broom-Jones says the two days include more than just the Voice Jam competition. Got in-school outreach. We've got a clinician going in and teaching a cappella workshops in schools. Um, we've got Wacapella, an adults community outreach um, initiative to perform during the competition. Um, we've got a professional group called Duende on Friday, April 14th. And then workshops open to anyone that would like to come take workshops for and hone in their a cappella skills on Saturday, April 15th. And then that evening is the Voice Jam competition. Groups all over the the nation are coming together, about six groups, to compete for Voice Jam Champion. Um, and after they perform, Wacapella will perform on stage. Obviously, there will be performances. Then how, do, how does a Voice Jam Champion get crowned? We've got uh, five judges that are a cappella professionals. They will um, rate them on different things like um, tone, tone quality, blend, uh, choreography, all those things. Uh, and then we will tally up all the votes. And while we're backstage tallying up all the votes, there will be a group on stage performing. Um, so there's lots of entertainment for audience members. Eric, yes. you're a member of Wacapella. I am. Uh, how did you come to uh, acapella music? I started um, music um, in, you know, just the same as all the other music kids in school, just, you know, through, through like band and choir and everything. But from being, being you know, when, when I was really young, um, I always enjoyed making noise like most kids do. And so around 2013, I think it was, there's a group that many people will recognize, um, the name Pentatonics. Oh, yeah. Um, they were on a show called The Sing-Off, which is kind of like The Voice Jam. In, in, in some ways, it's a, an a cappella kind of competition. So they ended up winning, and um, at the time, I was in choir and everything, and I thought that it was just so cool that it was like choir, but it was it was different. It was pop music and all this other stuff, and they could do all the instruments with their voices and just do full tracks with just people. Um, at the same time, I was really um, I love seeing their beatboxer Kevin Alushala. Shout out Kevin Alushala, and I was really interested in like those kind of sounds that he did, but I didn't really go about trying to learn at the time. But then fast forward to um, the University of Arkansas in 2016, I was in. Um, the Scola Cantorum there, and we did this like tour in Arkansas, where which was all just acapella music, not contemporary acapella, but acapella in the sense of no accompaniment. 
Uh, we did one song, which was um, J.S. Bach's um, Lobet's Din Herren, which we did it in the style of the Swingle Singers. And they had um, uh, someone doing like the... And so we needed someone to do that. And so um, our conductor, um, Dr. Caldwell, he was like, Eric, don't you dabble in acapella stuff? And I was like, well, sure. <laughs> um, and so he, was, he asked me to do that. And so at the time I was like, okay, well, if we're going to go on tour and stuff, I need to, you know, I need to get good. And so I like, went on YouTube and started uh, looking up, like, how to beatbox and, and all that kind of stuff. That kind of just shifted my attention to acapella music and beatboxing and all that stuff. And then um, at the time, there was an acapella group at the U of A, which called the Lone Voices at the time. And so I joined them and then just around town um, trying to put together my own little groups here and there. And so that kind of got me into um, the the acapella world was that. I'm thinking... That as, as, as important as your voice is, your ear is equally important in mm-hmm. this. You hear something and you've got to, as closely as you can, replicate it? Yeah, yep, exactly. L- like, again, um, in a, a jazz song, you'll hear the, the kind of um, hi-hat going, which yeah. is the or that kind of stuff. And just listening to tracks and trying to replicate what the drums are doing, essentially. Is your percussion all over the? I mean, could you do one of those big bass drums that we hear? And I could. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to? Yeah. Just give- okay. <clears throat> one person. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was one person. All right, Sarah, what do we need to know to to watch this happen, to watch and hear it happen? To watch Wacapella perform and to watch to, uh, the Voice Jam competition, um, you can get online and purchase tickets for Saturday, April 15th. The competition starts at 7.30 p.m. and um, come see these amazing singers and vocal percussionists because Northwest Arkansas has a lot of talent, and I'm so glad we found some really talented people to, to pull this off. Sarah Broom-Jones is Learning Programs and Festival Specialist with Walton Arts Center, and Eric Amaye is a member of the locally-based a cappella group, Wacapella. The Voice Jam Festival begins tomorrow night at Walton Arts Center with a performance from Duende in the competition, plus workshops and more, takes place Saturday during the day and into the evening. This is Ozarks at Large. I've been so overwhelmed This month for the lunch hour, we're taking it up a notch. We're having a lunch hour at Bike Rack Brewing located at 801 Southeast 8th Street, Bentonville, Arkansas. Hosted by City Sessions, featuring music from Aurora Lai and food from Nash Nola. You don't want to miss this month's lunch hour happening at Bike Rack Brewing from noon to one. Located at 802 Southeast 8th Street. Bentonville, Arkansas. Food from Nashnola and music from Aurora Lai. Hosted by City Sessions. We'll see you there. The KUAF Lunch Hour goes on the road this week. We'll be in Bentonville. For more information, KUAF.com. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large... Terry Rain Butler explores conflicting emotions in her music. You know, you're not just homesick, right? You're not just angry. You're not just happy. You're not just lonely. There's this cocktail of things that's happening around that. And without acknowledging both sides of, you know, to use a a worn out metaphor, both sides of the coin or both edges of the blade, 
the other one doesn't matter, right? The, the, the feeling of one thing and trying to just really figure out what's happening there. We talk with the singer-songwriter about her music, her latest record, her career playing soccer at the University of Arkansas, and the engineering award she'll receive this weekend in Fayetteville. That's on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. and by listening to the Ozarks at Large podcast. The R Word, a podcast about reparations in Northwest Arkansas, continues its book discussion series this Saturday from 2 to 3.30 at the Walker Community Room in the Fayetteville Public Library with Greg Thompson, co-author of Reparations, A Christian Call for Penance and Repair. Books will be available for purchase and for signing. Reserve your spot for the discussion this Saturday at reparationsnownwa.com. Busy, busy couple of days for KUAF. Yeah. We've got the lunch hour in Bentonville tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Then we have the R Word book discussion at the Fayetteville Public Library on Saturday. Right. We may slow down after that. Well, and then I know Artisphere is on the horizon. It's not coming up this month, but it's in May. Yeah. And that'll be another live broadcast from Crystal Bridges. Right. So, yeah, we'll still be out there. Yeah. And we'll come up with other ideas. Oh, us? Yeah. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Anderson, Missouri. Timothy produced today's show and today's sound perimeter inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Contributors today included Matthew Moore, Anna Pope, Paul Gatling, and Leah Uribe. Additional assistance today came from the hardworking news team at KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. Additional help also came from Stephanie Brock. Who's also in Little Rock? Ah, thank you. Little Rock people. Our underwriting director at KUAF is Ryan Versi. You can reach Ryan with any question you have about underwriting by just sending him an email. Ryan at KUAF.com. That's right. Uh, you will be at the lunch hour tomorrow, correct? I will be. I will be. It's in Bentonville at Bike Rack Brewing Company. Yes. Starts a little bit afternoon, but uh, should be a good time. Unfortunately, I had set something up for 1245 in Fayetteville months ago. And I'll be doing that, so I will miss it. And I'm pretty bummed about it. You're just too popular of an interviewer, Kyle. Well, I just – you know me. Brewery, noon, Friday, that's not something I want to turn down. Right. Uh, All right. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellams. And I'm Timothy Dennis. Be well.